Hello, and welcome to another episode of Living a Culture of Life podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Father Bouquet, our president. Once again, great to be with you. Good to be with you, Father. And this is a little bit of a follow-up to our previous episode. In our previous episode, we were talking about the Respect Marriage Act, which is trying to enshrine LBGTQ unions as being recognizing them as legal marriages. And this is going to be talking about Title IX, and it's another example of the current administration trying to enshrine their agenda into all aspects of our society, but in particular with Title IX into the school system. So we're going to jump right into that, Father. So right. let's go in. What is what is changing with Title IX okay. or potentially changing? So just so in, uh, as I always do is direct people back to the, the main column, the written column with all the links. And I know that we, we do that very much on our podcast to help people to know where the links are. So mm-hmm. because there's so much detail, Colleen, to this that is good for the reader to be familiar with. So we know that, you know, if, if we look at where Title IX is, so we got to go back to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So this is where we, we go back to the fact where we passed legislation signed into law that, uh, you know, it was wrong to discriminate against people because of sex, color, and, uh, and, and other uh, issues in the sense of, I'm going to read it from, based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And so, and of course, much more detail. And then what we saw in 1972 was a continuation in, in Title IX, which is on the educational components of, of the act, of the Civil Rights Act. Mm-hmm. And so in 1972, we would see new legislation come forward to uh, to recognize, and I'm going to read from it. So in 1972, it prohibits sex-based discrimination in any school or any other educational program that receives funding from the federal government. Now, as we know, as we talked about with the, uh, the uh, uh, Respect for Marriage Act, you know, so we have here is we're talking about federal government. So how does this affect the the, the actions and uh, funding of the federal government? So as we saw with the re, uh, uh, the Respect for Marriage Act, wanting to enshrine same-sex union as the law of the land, and that would be followed in every state and so forth. And as we said in that in that podcast, uh, Colleen, we talked about Oberville versus Hodges in 2015 by the Supreme Court that then. Uh, overturned, you know, uh, uh, the uh, DOMA, which was uh, the definition of uh, uh, the, uh, always get that one a little, uh, Defensive Defense Marriage, Marriage Act. Act. Defensive Marriage Act, signed into law by then President Clinton in 1996. And so that now, which identified that marriage from a federal government definition is between one man and one woman. And so that was the union that the government on the federal level recognized. Mm-hmm. That was challenged, uh, obviously, throughout many uh, uh, iterations over the years. But in 2015, under Oberville, the Supreme Court's majority overturned the law and then in, uh, in, imposed upon our nation uh, that every state had to uphold uh, and legalize same-sex union. So, so here we are now because, so it's always good to connect the dots as we try to do, is because of the decision of the Supreme Court on June 24th, uh, that was publicized on June 24th, the decision was before, but made public, um, that overturned Roe versus Wade and uh, Casey versus Planned Parenthood. And as a result, because of a comment made by, uh, in a good way, by Justice Clarence Thomas, mm-hmm. who is talking about the very fact of these so-called penumbra of, of rights and, and privileges that so-called that the uh, justices, when they uh, imposed abortion upon the United States, said there was a right to. Uh, and so points out, well, 
as a majority made clear, in overturning Roe can be applied also to other issues, one being the Oberville case. Mm -hmm. So that's what brought to bear the Respect for Marriage Act that they're trying right now to currently pass through the Senate. It's already passed the House. Mm -hmm. So just to help our our listeners remind us what we talked about. And so what we have here is another example of the the Biden administration and the current uh, leadership within uh, the, the Congress trying to enshrine its ideological principles and uh, and to impose those principles upon the entire citizenship of the United States. And so here's an example that they're using now, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and obviously its uh, uh, iterations over the years. And in 1972, in Title IX, involved what I read earlier, it prohibits sex-based discrimination in any school or any other education program that receives funding from the federal government. So that is the real point here, is the school or system that receives federal funding. So now what's happened with this current move under Title IX is to uh, to take the, the that language and now expand that language. And to and, and that's where we are right now. So I think it's important, you know, to see what's going on. So here what I would do is I'm gonna come back to my column. Okay. And just to kind of help us by kind of gathering this 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 language, so what does it do? Uh, and the rules would expand the definition of sex discrimination here. So, 1972, I read it twice. Mm-hmm. So here now they're taking that word discrimination, sex discrimination, and now expanding it. And what are they doing to include such things as sexual orientation, gender identity, sex stereotypes? Uh, which would include uh, and, and sex characteristics. So it's 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 now expanding the new language. In other words, would take a law originally designed to protect women, right, from being victims of discrimination based upon their sex, and redefine sex discrimination so that it's impossible even to determine what a woman is. So it's 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 really taking the language and and, and imposing the current ideology that is being pushed by you know, uh, a particular segment uh, of our society that wants to see its its positions, you know, not only enshrined, but literally forcing us to to all accept and to live and to embrace. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important. And, and what I would also add here is, uh, I, I wrote a little earlier, uh, later on in the column, uh, Colleen, is uh, the rules change the definition of pregnancy okay. and to include abortion. So now we got to come back to what they're attempting to do in other means is we're seeing right now where they're trying, the Congress has attempted to pass a new law, to pass a bill that would again enshrine the right to abortion. So since that did not work, all right, currently, thank goodness, is now what they're doing is finding another way to enshrine this, this, this so-called right. And they're using Title IX. Interesting. And I feel like going back to the redefinition of sex discrimination and all of that, as a woman, I feel like that completely negates what Title IX was originally trying to do. If you can't even define a woman, how are you going to protect a woman from sex discrimination in the educational system? Um, And then it seems like you were saying it's basically trying to find any type of loophole that they can to try to push abortion. So how is that going to affect um, pro-life states? Is that part of the struggle here that we're going to see. So again, because you're you're dealing with, if this were to become law, so Mm -hmm. in other words, if this were to move through the House, passed by the Senate, 
signed into law. So remember 1972, this was the, the uh, what we call the educational amendments in 1972 mm-hmm. were signed into law by then President Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. So here, if this were to become signed into law by President Biden, this becomes the law of the land. And so that now affects those systems federal systems uh, that are, are institutions that are receiving federal funding. So think of all of our public schools, think of our universities. So you would see in any other institution that's receiving federal funding. So it would definitely affect the states. It would affect the, the, the ability of a state that, uh, for example, in some of our states are currently passing legislation, signing into law where it recognizes uh, women's sports are for women only biological women, all right? It's identifying to protect women. You know, right now, as we, many articles have been written that, you know, the, the, very, the very law that was meant, as you just quoted, to protect women, to, to allow women to allow their gifts and their skills and their abilities in the sports and other uh, 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 ways to, to shine and, and to be protected from discrimination is the very thing undermining that. And so here uh, you can see how states now, if this were to become law, now it would be challenged, but mm-hmm. it, we have to go back to that whole legal process again. And this would be very bad for the states. Another example of a bad law that would impose uh, federal uh, positions upon the states. And so you might have a state that really is wanting to advocate for women, advocate for women's sports make sure that there is no discrimination against women and, and to protect women from being discriminated against now could be undermined by the federal government. And then on the flip side, those pro-life states that are trying mm-hmm. to pass pro-life laws are going to have that undermined by this in the schools, I believe, right? That's is right. what you were saying. Same that... thing with marriage. Yeah. So, it's the same. so you can see how, that's why I love how you, why you wanted to try to connect the conversations mm-hmm. uh, because they are connected. You know, and so as we can see the issue with abortion, we can see how the issue affects the definition of marriage. And now we can see uh, you know, how we deal with the definition of male and female. And so we can see how the whole transgender ideology gets into this. We can see how uh, the issues of the whole LBGT community gets into this and those advocating, you know, for, 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 for their positions. And the federal government is, is the one advocating. I mean, what more powerful institution can you have than the whole arm of the federal government advocating on your behalf? And so this, again, pushes down and, and, and they're not listening, you know, obviously to the states and others who are saying this is not good law. This is not the uh, how we should be approaching this subject. This is not how we, you know, uh, deal, should be dealing with the issues of sex discrimination, you know, and we're changing language and creating new language in order to enshrine an ideology. So the idea of, you know, connecting, as I said earlier, you know, uh, it, it, how it, d- the definition of pregnancy changes. I also go on to say, you know, uh, I mean, we know that pregnancy is a natural, you know, a natural process. A new life begins at the moment of fertilization. Uh, this human being is not just that, it's just that, a human being. We know this, okay, I'm just quoting from my own, doc, my own paper. But abortion, in contrast, is an intentional direct destruction of a human life. It kills the preborn baby, all right, and halts the natural process of pregnancy. So, I mean, this is not, I'm quoting again from Melanie Israel in an article that I'm, I'm, I'm using as the, the kind of the base of the article. This is from Melanie Israel. And so she's showing that how absurd this is. 
all right? And trying to equate these two, two things to each other. They're not. They're separate things, and they're very distinct things. Uh, that pregnancy is what it is, in a sense, of, and abortion is an act. So, but, but again, this is how the, the, we see this ideology become enshrined. And so imagine this, that were to become the law. Now, how do you fight against that? You know? And if it's into the education system too, how do you get it out? Like, how do you, that's just going to be subjecting in a weird way children to, even if it's not putting right. these ideas into the classroom by having this control over school system, you're going to be able to get things into the school system into ch- children's minds in a way that you wouldn't well, we otherwise. Already, we already are seeing it. We yeah. already seeing this because, you know, in other ways where the federal government has imposed itself, you know, into the state level, because of federal funds, because of the way federal funds are, are are allocated, that we can already see this happening in many of our public systems from grade school all the way up into the universities and colleges. And we already see it in sports. We already mm-hmm. see it. You know, we have many, many examples of this already before us, and they're, they're not, they don't end well. And so, so just because we redefine it, doesn't, it's not going to miraculously make it all better. It, it's just going to continue to make it far worse. It's going to actually... And as many have said, including Ms. Israel, it's going to eradicate women's sports. Yeah. I mean, so it's, and as I get into the article, you know, men and women are built differently, you know, and, and as I make some quotes in here from the Heritage Foundation, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, and that that's something that, that distinctiveness and that beauty of being male and being female and the distinctive characteristics are, are something we should be should be protecting, and we should recognize that uh, th- there are differences in the two sexes, and and I think it's important, and we're we're allowing that language to get uh, usurped by by a redefinition, and it's 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 very dangerous, but that danger can now be imposed as a law, and it makes it more and more difficult for for schools to, and uh, others to fight against it because they're so dependent upon federal funds, and the federal government knows it, mm-hmm. so they know where their leverage is. And that's why they, they're trying to do this. Why do you think there's such a push right now to normalize the, this um, on a federal level to try to push it down to the states? Is it just because they have the control right now in the House and the Senate? Like they have the bodies to be able to push this through, basically? Uh, that, yes. And, okay. I, and again, I also believe that with that is, as we're seeing, you know, challenges on the, on the legal level. Mm-hmm. And to believe that even if this were to become law, that it would not be challenged it's going to be challenged, yes. you know, and so it, it's not. It, it's 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 the insanity of thinking that just because it becomes, but they know that it will take time, and in the meanwhile, it becomes enshrined, it becomes into process, it becomes into policy, it becomes into procedures, and as it's as we know under uh, under uh, uh, presidencies where a life and family causes uh, were being defended, mm-hmm. that how tentacled all these policies are and, and how to extrude them you know, is not an easy task. Same, or excise them, maybe a better word, you know, but to, 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 to recognize that if this were to become law and we have two or four more years or six more years or eight years before we can move it through the system to challenge it, it's so now in, in, inculcated itself into all these policies and procedures, it's going to be very, very hard to pull. And meanwhile, how many people have been affected by this? What has been the, the consequence or the effects of it and effects of it? That, that, those, the damage will have been done. And so, and, and this is, unfortunately, they know that because it's succeeded in many other ways. Mm-hmm. So we need to recognize what is really being attempted here and, and recognize that we need to stand up against this. 
and we need again get in touch with our senators in touch with our our, our our representatives in the House of Congress in the U.S. Congress. We need to voice our, our not only our discontent but hourly reject the, this bill and say this is unacceptable and uh, and and again bring that into the voting booth as well. There's, we have to we have to voice ourselves here. Well, and I think this is a good one that a good topic to be able to dialogue with people who may not agree with you, too, because a lot of people will agree that women shouldn't be discriminated against. Right. So if you can bring to people's minds that, oh, this is going to basically undermine everything, all of everything that Title IX originally stood for, right. it's just going to undermine it. That's a great way to get across to someone that maybe they should be. Maybe right. there's problems with this. And no. yeah. you were saying in our previous episode, bringing it to the public forum, writing about it, Correct. dialoguing with people. And right. I, at least from my perspective, this seems like a good little like edge that you have of something that a lot of people will agree on that women should have representation in sports right. and shouldn't be. Equal representation and protection. <laughs> yes. And protection. And, and, and also with that, it's a realization that you have a, a document that might have at the very beginning was 37 words long, over 700 words and plus you know, oh I mean, what? Why do we need so many words? Because of what they're trying to in, 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 impose. And yeah, I think you said they never actually define sex. No, they don't. In all those seven hundred words, none of it. But what they do define, you know, is and redefine pregnancy, <laughs> sex discrimination. They uh, redefine other terms, and it's 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 a, again. Remember, there's a, there's a phrase, and I never remember. You know, there are many people who have used the phrase. Mm-hmm twisted a little bit to to fit how, what they were explaining. But the phrase is, whoever, con- whoever controls the language controls the mind and the heart of a nation. Mm. So whoever's controlling the language here. So here is the federal government, you know, using its strong arm to change the language. Now, the, the Civil Rights Act, talking about the issue of discrimination, we would want the positive of that to be something we do uphold. Yeah. Discrimination is wrong. We should not be discriminating against someone because of race or color or creed. Period. And at the same time, we will never have, cannot, should not advocate discriminating against anyone because of some difficulty in a sense, or maybe someone's, uh, you know, orientation, you know, and, and how they how they perceive themselves. At the same time, you know, we have to have some some limitation here because of how how the power of law. And, and, and how law does, you know, uh, bring upon a nation a mindset and an understanding. And so here, as we talked about with the, uh, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, as uh, quoting Archbishop Cardinal Leone, that it's not a live uh, and let live mentality here. You know, there's a mindset of, of wanting to impose and have each of us embrace it. And here, you know, the, the recognition is that we want to make sure that there is no discrimination, and at the same time, we want to to protect, you know, the, these values, and and so and advance them. Now, what I mean by that is what you were just talking about, Colleen, mm-hmm. and that is to 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 defend women, you know, in women's sports, and allow that to 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 to. I shouldn't say allow it, but in the sense of really to let women's sports, you know, be what it is. To allow women to to have their skills and all their abilities, you know, shine and and to excel and to exceed exceed, you know, in the sense of uh, and succeed is my word. I want to say, and, and and I think it's beautiful, and I think it's a challenge right now that this is going to do is going to undermine that. And not to get too much into the weeds of the details, but I believe you said this is also going to affect healthcare because of the Affordable Care Act and um, 
I believe it refers back to Title IX was what you were saying in the article right, that right. the Affordable Care Act defines sex discrimination the exact same way that Title IX does. So right. by so, changing this in Title IX, you're also going to have all of these effects in the health system. That's correct. So and that, you, you summarized it perfectly. Okay. So no, I think it's very important to see that. So here we're talking about education mm-hmm. and educational systems, but how that also flows into the Affordable Care Act. And the language that's being used here is the same language that's going to be used on the other side. So absolutely. Absolutely. And then also there's new HHS regulations, I believe, that kind of parallel this just as another example of pushing this agenda. Yes. So when you, so again, using the federal arm, you know, the strength of the federal government in all of its agencies. So we just named, so here we would have a law, uh, you know, that is now, now in, that is a federal law. So it affects all citizens across the United States, all of the states. Then you have how then through the Affordable Care Act, so how through the federal funding of health care, how it's itself, this language now becomes part of health care mm-hmm. and how we define certain terminology and approaches. And we can see how through uh, Health and Human Services, how that now becomes reflected uh, throughout the whole health care, you know, uh, um, uh, agency throughout the United States and especially those receiving federal funds. So it's really, it's, uh, it's, it's more than the law here. It's, it's how it's going to, to push itself through all the mechanizations and processes and policies and, you know, uh, operation, uh, operational procedures throughout the federal system. So you can see how, how intrusive this is, you know, and, uh, and how something can be on a positive side and you would want to see it infiltrate all the system, fine. Here we have something that's not good, and it's, it's very wrong, and it, it will have a devastating impact. And, and each of us will, 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 have to, will be affected by this, you know, especially, you know, our young people, especially in the school systems, and as we said, in healthcare. So imagine if you're a doctor, a nurse, in the vocation of health, how is this going to affect you? So, and and actually, in the article, I make note of that, and I think maybe it's a good, you know, to um, to look at. Now, this is, you know, um, again, using someone else's, you know, statement and just kind of building on it. So, uh, the the new Title IX regulations would significantly expand the definition of sex discrimination, which we've already talked about on the educational side, Colleen, to include discrimination based upon gender identity and termination of pregnancy. So changing terms. So this is what, uh, you know, uh, the person I'm quoting here is Morrison. Uh, The HHS has recently proposed new regulations that mirror the Biden administration's proposed Title IX regulations on sex discrimination. These proposed regulations would make it illegal to deny or limit health health services sought for the purposes of gender transition or other gender-affirming care that that the uh, covered entity would provide to an individual. Now, he goes on to explain. I'm just reading it because I think it's important with the, using the quote. Uh, that means that doctors and hospitals would be required to provide patients, including children, with puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, gender transition surgeries, and insurance providers would be required to cover the expensive drugs and procedures. So in theory, the HHS is, is still bound to respect the federal conscience right laws, Okay. However, what's clear that the Biden administration's HHS is consciously pursuing the extremist agenda on abortion and gender. If this were to go through, I want you to think how this is going to affect conscience rights. And to say that it will not would be foolish. It definitely will. 
And so, uh, and so, and so you can see how this really is is is. is it's not just affecting one area and someone saying, well, that doesn't affect me. No, it affects more than just one side of this equation. It affects the entire equation. And from, from our educational systems and institutions to our healthcare and to how the HHS, which is responsible for advancing the federal government's policies and procedures in healthcare services throughout the United States, will use its leverage, as we've already seen with the issue of abortion and other issues, in this regard as well. And what can our listeners do to kind of combat all of this entrenching into right. all aspects of society? Right. Well, as uh, as our listeners are obviously hearing, th- there's, there's a lot of detail here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can be a little tongue-twisting, you know, to, to get all the terminology and to get all the intricacies of how they're connected, is to educate oneself. Uh, one way is to actually come to the article itself. There, are tr- I have all the links in here. Uh, that I'm talking about that'll bring them to these resources um, to familiarize themselves with the Title IX uh, uh, 1972 statement and then what's been proposed up until this moment. There have been many other attempts and there have been changes in uh, augmentations, but to, and, and how now, uh, what's being done now and how, what does that language mean? How does it affect us? We need to educate ourselves. And this half hour time is not going to give it the justice uh, in the sense of all the details. We need to to uh, to make sure that we understand what's at stake. The second thing, Colleen, is once we've educated ourselves and 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 broaden our understanding of of the of the issues, is then what can I do about it? So, right, uh, those in positions of authority that can make uh, that can in positions to make change possible. We need to do that. We need to recognize. How does this affect, you know, uh, you know, if, if I'm a mother and father raising daughters, how does this affect, going to affect my daughters, you know, going forward in time in, in the school system? You know, how is this going to affect them if they go to college or maybe they want to play sports? How does this, how is it, how are they going to deal with this? How is this going to affect, you know, our health care? You know, maybe I, uh, maybe I'm in healthcare already. Maybe I am a nurse, a doctor, a pharmacist, or you know, uh, maybe I am a, 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 in the insurance industry. How how does this affect me? And 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 to realize that it does. And so we all have something here to gain and to lose. And and I think that's something that motive should motivate us, Colleen, to to want to get involved. And if nothing more is to say to the senator and to our representatives in the U.S. House to say, no, we're, I'm opposed to this. And, 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 and recognize that this is not something that we should be advocating and advancing. Write the local editor. Said before, will it get published? Keep trying. Uh, but, you know, if you're on social platforms and have the ability, you know, I would say there are many people right now doing podcasts on this. There's many radio interviews that, uh, that I know I've done. Others have, are doing. So people are trying to get this information out. But that's just one part. We need to do our part. All of us individually need to get involved. And when we get into the voting booth. You know, we need to vote. We need to rec- advance the principles that we know are for our good, the good of human flourishing, and for the common good. And there's there's nothing here that serves the common good. Uh, and, 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 and definitely, as I've written and others have written, and you beautifully summarized, there's nothing in here in the, in the, in the sense of that's good for the protection of women and, and, and protecting women from being discriminated against. 
And I think that's important for people to recognize and to see how all of this becomes, um, can be uh, integrated into so many different ways of policies that we, we want to avoid them ever becoming possible. And this is, we need to stop this in its tracks. So that's what I would recommend. And if you're looking at, for our Catholic brothers and sisters, the bishops themselves have made numerous statements. I quote from three uh, different bishops here uh, in this article. Uh, the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops have leveled many statements in opposition, you know, to the current uh, uh, bill. They've also voiced their concerns of how that bill would, uh, what would happen. Uh, and, and for many in our audience, Colleen, they may not be aware of how active the, the Catholic bishops are in public policy, in the sense of, of, of lobbying. And, and each, each of the state's uh, conference of bishops are engaged in this, and rightfully so. You know, Pope Benedict used to say that we don't run away from this conversation, we run toward it. We, we're part of the human family, we're part of the human fabric, and we're part of the common good. And so we need to be part of that conversation, not sitting on the sideline. This is not just, this, as we saw with the, uh, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act, uh, co- quoting Archbishop Cardinal Leon of San Francisco, uh, you know, uh, th- there, there's, a, there's an element in this that affects every one of us that is not a religious issue. So we need to not be afraid. That's what I would, so I would say to our listeners, familiarize yourself, know what is currently the law, what does the current law say, what would the proposed change say, and, 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 and ask yourself, is this really good for women? Is this good for society? Is this going to be good for our children? Is this going to be good in our health care? Is this going to be good, you know, in, in how this language, what does this language mean? And it's so ambiguous, we don't know what it means. And that's why it's 700 plus pages long. Exactly. And it, if you, it doesn't matter if you have a good state, if the federal government's going to come along and impose these laws that are going to undermine whatever your state is trying to do too. So we can't become complacent and be like, oh, well, my state is right. defending women and pro-life. It's, right. Yes, it might be. And that's great. And keep fighting for that. Right. But at the same time, we have to be aware of what's going to happen at a federal level that might impact that. That's correct. And federal law trumps. So, so I got to remember this now. So that's why it's in, it's important uh, to to familiarize ourselves with what is happening on the federal level. So I I, I hope that you know that uh, I, our listeners will see as we have tried to do is the linkage, uh, and and again so much detail, so much information, but it's good if we just you know to read familiarize ourselves so that we know how to address the subject and to make sure that as we articulate that that we're, we're articulating with clarity as best we can. Um, because again, it's hard to put into words uh, in, into a, a 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour podcast on, 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 a, on a document so long and to see how does all that language relate to all the various uh, ways that we've been trying to articulate. Um, but it would be good for people. And there, there, there are a number of groups out there who are dealing specifically with legal issues that share our concerns uh, and that are out there as well. And that we, and, and it can summarize and, and bring bring some of that into more clarity of why uh, and how we can get involved. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Father. Um, and I hope that both of these episodes were helpful for our listeners to be able to get a grasp of what's going on at a federal level and hopefully, you know, be able to articulate it, fight against it, write letters to the editor, all of that good stuff. Um, And so if you're listening on YouTube or Rumble, please remember to like, follow, subscribe. If you're listening on any of our audio platforms, please follow, share with your friends, download our episodes and listen to them, obviously, (laughs) and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.